Good morning, and I, I'm sorry it's chilly in here. Man, when, when I came walking in here about 8 o'clock and the worship team was already here, I think it was about 15 degrees, 52 degrees in here. And uh, Jackie, I, I don't know if you could play with gloves on, but I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, um, it is getting a little bit warmer, so I, I hope that'll continue to happen here as we move through things. But I want you to be sure to have on your calendar uh, Life Catalyst. Uh, Dr. Dave Hubble will be with us next Sunday. It was pretty cool. that We had already made some changes for last Sunday because of sickness on the part of their team. And then, of course, the ice came. And we didn't have services anyway last Sunday, so uh, it was all of God, and uh, so here we are this morning, um, and uh, we are jumping back into 1 Corinthians. Next Sunday, that, this whole business about a biblical approach to addiction, what does the Bible say about addiction, you don't want to miss that opportunity. If you know of some folks that you believe would benefit uh, to be here, to have that information. I don't mean because they have an addiction problem, although that would certainly be of a help to them, but uh, it will be a great Sunday morning, and uh, you won't regret having been here. So join us next Sunday for that. It will be worth your while. We will have a great time together. So back to 1 Corinthians. And yes, uh, as Pastor Paul mentioned, we're going to be talking about giving, which I think is one of the most exciting topics in the Bible. Absolutely. It is also, yes, at times, one of the most misunderstood topics in the Bible. Misapplied, misused, all the rest of it. But also, at times, one of the most uh, dreaded topics. Oh, no. He's going to talk about giving again. Oh, my, I don't want to feel that kind of guilt. Well, I hope that won't happen this morning. Our desire is not in any way to, to guilt you into doing anything, certainly not to giving. But as we talk about giving, uh, it is right in the context of finishing up 1 Corinthians, the last chapter of our study, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I believe you will see, I trust you will see that giving really is one of the most exciting topics in the Word of God. Listen, there are about 500 verses in Scripture about prayer. I don't know if you've thought about that or, or looked at that, I, but 500 verses that talk about prayer. Almost 500 verses that talk about the idea of faith. The need to believe, the need to trust. Faith is critical to our salvation. But there are just over 2,000, 2,000 verses about material possessions, about money, and about how we are to use money and the things that God gives us. That volume of scripture talking about money alone would indicate the importance of the topic to God as he communicates it to us. I came across this statement in my study this week. I wanted to share it with you. We talk about money not because we want something from you, 
but because we want something for you. Now think about that. You say, oh, you're talking about money because, well, it can't be because the, the budget is behind, all right? It's only the third week in, in January in the new budget, all right? And, and what, what's, but seriously, it's not about getting something from you. We want to share that God talks about giving something to you, getting something for you, not from you. And that is critical. That is absolutely true as we dive into the Word of God this morning. So let me get your hearts and minds going in this direction. A couple of verses from the book of Proverbs that absolutely apply to us today. Chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. In other words, the, the, the writer of the book of Proverbs is saying, listen, you need to give first. You give to God first. It's a priority in the way you use your money. You give to God for out of the first fruits. That's what he's saying of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, folks, get that. We give to God first. God says your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over. That's exciting stuff. How about this one? Chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. He said, that kind of doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense if we don't understand what God says is the joy of giving. And that's why we say giving is one of the most exciting topics in the Scripture. Now, folks, I don't want you to misunderstand me when I talk about the positive benefits of giving this morning. It is not that you give so you can get. It is not about putting more in the offering box or, or on the planning center and the giving app or whatever it is so that if you give more, you can expect God to do more for you. That's not what this is about. That's kind of like prosperity gospel stuff. That's not what we're here to promote at all. And, but as we understand, one person gives freely yet gains more. The more you give, the more you gain Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. And whoever freshes, refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That is a biblical principle. Generosity is a key to our giving. And if you and I are to become more like Jesus. I don't know if you have made any uh, New Year's resolutions this year or just the commitment to say, God, I want to be more like Jesus in 2022. I got to tell you, if that will happen in your life, it is critical that we understand what the Bible says about giving and then learn to become a giver. Because that is how we will become more like Jesus. So please open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you don't have a copy of the Bible and want one in your hands other than your phone or tablet underneath the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible there and page 802 
in the Bible there that's underneath the chair in front of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. That's what we're going to deal with this morning. So, okay, here it is, verse 1. Look at it, verse 1. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. Paul goes on, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. About the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Now, Paul is responding to a letter. It's been a while since we've been in 1 Corinthians, but you'll remember back when we were going through. Paul actually wrote four letters to the church of Corinth. We only have two of them that we call 1st and 2nd Corinthians. 1st Corinthians wasn't the first letter that he wrote to the church. But Paul is responding a number of times throughout the 16 chapters here. The beginning of uh, verse 1 is he's doing it again. But a number of times he's now about this, about that. In other words, they had responded and sent Paul a letter. And he, they brought up a number of issues that's one of the things here now about the collection for the Lord's people. He's responding. Now concerning what you wrote to me about. That's what he's saying. And as he talks about that, he's talking about taking an offering for, we look down to verse 3, the church, the believers in Jerusalem. That's what this is about. And one of the things that obviously Paul had already communicated to them, and now they're asking questions. We don't know how exactly he told them about this offering, but they're asking. And so he's saying, okay, now about that collection that we're going to give to the believers in the church at Jerusalem. I want you to do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And, and so there were probably three, four, five other churches. You could read back through the book of Acts and find out who they are. And, and that Paul had already told the Galatian churches what they were to do. Paul was on this campaign for this offering to send money to the believers to the church in Jerusalem. And so he had already told the churches of Galatian. He was now answering the question that he had for the people there in Corinth. The Lord's people needed this gift. Now, we don't know why they needed it. There's a lot of conjecture. A lot of people will say, well, we think it was because of the persecution. It put them in a bad light. And as a result of that persecution, they weren't getting help from the Jewish synagogue. Uh, that may have been one. There was a famine. You could go back and study history, and there was a significant famine that went throughout the Jerusalem area at that time, and it may have been because of the famine that they were sending help financially to the believers in the city of Jerusalem. It may have simply been an impoverished area, and the church was struggling their people needed help financially, and that may have been why. But we don't really know. Scripture doesn't tell us why. We also, just like we don't know when Paul says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do, we have no record of what it was that Paul told the Galatian churches to do, other than that, hey, we're taking an offering for the churches in Jerusalem. For the church in Jerusalem, the believers that are there. So as we move through that, Paul was out to raise money for the believers in the church of Jerusalem. He challenged the churches in Galatia, and folks, let me, while we're on that, 
We've mentioned this a few weeks ago, but because of the postponement last week and the change till next Sunday, we will be taking an offering for, uh, for Dave Hubble and his team next Sunday as part of their ministry with us. So that's part of what we'll be doing for Life Catalyst and their ministry. Next Sunday, we'll be doing that. So plan for that, like we're going to talk about planning to give. So there was a need. We don't know what the need was, but there was a need in the church of Jerusalem. That's why Paul starts out, so now concerning, what about giving? What about giving? Well, Paul proceeds to answer five questions in verse 2. Five questions that are there. And uh, as you look at verse 2, the first question jumps right off on the first day of every week. Paul is answering the question, so when? When should you give? Paul's talking to the believers here. Well, this is when the church gathered together on the first day of the week. That is our Sunday. The church gathered together on the first day of the week in commemoration of... The resurrection. There we go. Good. See, I'll, I'll keep your attention here. You'll keep you warm, right? I, don't know, I know I don't have to worry about you falling asleep because it's a little chilly, right? And uh, so, but, but yes, that's what it was in commemoration of the Lord's resurrection. And when you study back through the Gospels and we find that, into the, uh, that, that Jesus met with the disciples on that first day, which was Sunday, that's when Jesus rode from the dead. A week later, he met with the disciples again on that Sunday. We have scripture telling us here on the first day of the week. Now, folks, I got to share this with you. There is nowhere in scripture, in the Bible, that we are commanded to meet on Sunday or the first day of the week. There's not. He said, oh, well, we're, we're, it says here, okay, it says, but there's not a command. And just because it may be mentioned doesn't mean it is always necessarily a precept or a principle to follow. It is what the early church did, no question about it. I'm not trying to say that meeting on Sunday is a bad idea or that we shouldn't do it, folks. I'm just telling you, Scripture doesn't command it, nor is Sunday. A Christian Sabbath. The Old Testament, the Jews were commanded to honor the Sabbath. That was Saturday, the last day of the week. Not Sunday, the first day of the week when the church started. There were those believers who as time moved on and then of course into our time where Sunday was viewed as a Sabbath. You don't do any, that's how I was brought up. Sunday afternoon after we got home from church and ate dinner, we were not allowed to go outside as kids. And probably a lot of you that are my generation know the same thing. I remember as a youth pastor at a specific church, after I got there and uh, we did a Sunday night after church activity and I had one of the men come up to me and ask me what we were doing and where we were going and that wasn't an enjoyable experience for me to explain that. Because it was Sunday. He told me we don't even buy bread and milk on Sunday. We don't even go out to restaurants on Sunday. Why? Because it's a Sabbath. No, it's not. 
There are two different things, folks. And when we study the scriptures, go back into the Old Testament, you'll find out, and you can go back to Exodus chapter 31, and you can find out that when the Lord told Israel the Sabbath was a sign between God and the nation of Israel, it is not Sunday, the first day of the week. It didn't transfer. No work was to be done on the Sabbath. There was all kinds of restrictions set up in the Old Testament. I mean, there was examples of individuals who violated that Sabbath code who were killed because of that. But that's not the first day of the week. That's not Sunday. So please understand. And again, Sunday is nowhere commanded in Scripture, but it has been the practice from what we can tell, from what we see in Scripture of the church from the beginning. Acts chapter 20, if you want to write that down, look at it or look at it in your Bible, check it out later. Paul is writing to the Ephesian elders a little bit later. And we read this, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 6, But we sailed from Philippi, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days, verse 7, Acts 20, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Must have been the Sunday evening service. Kept on talking till midnight, and if you remember the account in Acts chapter 20, that's when the guy by the name of Eutychus fell out of the window. He fell asleep in the window and fell out of the window because Paul was preaching so long. I, I'm gonna, we're just going to move right on. <laughs> but they came together on Sunday and set aside their money. When? First day of the week. Second question, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you, each one of you, that question, who? When? First day of the week. Who? Each one of you. Look, that's what Paul says. Each one of you, you who are believers, he's writing to the church, all of you, every one of you, each one of you, the church are to give of the first day of the week. It's not just the rich folks. It's not just the well-to-do. It's not just the haves. The have-nots are not excused here. The haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor, the wealthy and the others. Remember, we could talk about the widow who gave everything she had, right? So it's Everyone is included. And it's critical that we understand every one of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior as a believer is responsible for the Lord to give. That's stewardship. Stewardship, we think, sometimes is just about money. It is about everything. In fact, it's everything you do from the time you say, I believe. Stewardship is about your life, about your resources, about your money, about your energy, about your time. Everything about you and I 
from the day we say, I believe. And God's people in Jerusalem had a need. God's people were capable of playing a role in providing for that need. Every one of you. Who? How? Verse 2. How is the third question. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. So on the first day of the week, every one of you, here's how, is to set aside a sum of money, saving it up. Now, what, what is that? Well, was this an offering during a service on the first day of the week? Or was it each individual believer paying special intentional attention to the need to take some of what God had prospered them with and put it aside, set aside a sum of money, and then when the time is there, when there's a need present, which in the church could be all the time there, then give it. Well, we don't know for sure. Actually, the language would indicate that it was more the individual themselves that would set the money aside and take care of it till there was the need to give it. Now, that certainly does not negate our practice of giving and, and that the church handles that and administrate and stewards those gifts that you give on a regular basis. But what was the situation? We don't know. But what we do know for sure was that God's people were to set aside a sum of money to save it until it was needed. It was to be done again on the first day of the week. This indicated regularity. You say, well, man, I don't get paid every week. Me neither. I get paid every other week. And that's when I give. So when we talk about on the first day of the week, it's not necessarily meaning that you have to give every week. I don't think that was the case. Actually, what happened here for, for the believers in the church that Paul's writing to in Corinth, most likely most people got paid every day. They didn't get paid every other week or they didn't get paid once a month. Or once a week. Some may have, but probably they worked and got paid the end of that day. Do you remember the Lord telling the parable about he was out getting people to work for him and he hired somebody and sent him out into the field in the morning, a couple of guys, and then later on in the day hired some more and sent him out in the field and then at the very end of the day hired somebody who went out just for a little bit of time and remember the question was, he paid them all the same money? Well, when was that? It was at the end of the day. And so probably they weren't paid every other week or even every week. Some may have been as time went on. But the point being, it's about regularly, intentionally giving and faithfully, not just occasionally, not just whenever we feel like it. Or whenever we're in a good mood. Or whenever we don't have as... Maybe we had a warmer winter. Huh, good day to talk about that, right? 
than what we had before. And so we have a little extra money that we didn't have to pay for the utility. Well, I think the point being is intentional and regular, faithful, not occasional. And Paul is not laying on the givers any tricks, any gimmicks, any pressure. He's just simply saying, set that money aside. It's not about guilting them in to do anything. He's just saying that you need to regularly set money aside to give to the need of God's people. Verse 2 again, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. We said when, first day of the week, who? Every one of us. How? Set aside a sum of money. Put it aside. Take it out. That's the priority. And then the fourth question is how much? Ha <laughs> Here we go. How much? Are we to give? Well, there's no mention of a tithe, folks. New Testament giving, I don't believe, is about tithing. Tithe, you say, what's a tithe? Some of you know, some of you may not. Tithe means 10%. We find in Scripture in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was told to tithe. Actually, they were told to tithe two or three different times over the course of Each year, sometimes over the course of three years, what it amounted to actually that each individual Israelite at times would be giving was about 23.5% up to maybe a third. That's what the Old Testament giving was, and, and it was what you had to do. We find no record or any indication giving to the church, given to the church about tithing. It's not mentioned. It's not used. When the word is used in the New Testament, it's used simply to describe something that was done at a different time. It is not commanded of God's people to tithe. You're, wow, that's great to hear. No wonder we cut budget. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Folks, The whole business, God says, what we read, what Paul says is we give, we set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income or to the extent that God prospers you. That's really the better term here. To the way, the way in which God prospers you. That's how we are to give. God prospers you a great deal, you ought to give more than somebody where God doesn't prosper as much. And so what we find here, would that be part of the income? It could very well be, but the word has to do with God's prospering us, which is a relative term, right? That's going to be different for each and every one of us. We, listen folks, we in the United States are unbelievably wealthy compared to the majority of the world. You do know that. I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard that. If you were to study the rest of the world and do study on average income around the world, you'll find that we in the United States, we are are unbelievably, we are amazingly wealthy when we compare ourselves to those around the world and their income. Absolutely. 
So when we talk about this, giving is that relative thing because prosperity is a relative term. And listen, most of us have more than we need, right? I mean, really. Most of us have more than we need. In fact, we tend in the church today, well, and not just in the church, but as believers today, we tend to overestimate what our needs really are. We call a lot of things needs that 50 years ago people wouldn't call needs. That doesn't mean it may not be a need. You say, well, they didn't have internet 50 years ago. So that's a need. Well, you'll have to figure that one out, right? Um, cable TV, you'll have to figure that one out. They didn't have that 50 years ago, right? But, but we tend to call things needs that are more wants than needs, right? When we think about it, I mean, folks, you got to be honest with yourself. Think about that. Another thing that we do is we also tend to overestimate how generous we are. If somebody was to say, are you generous? I mean, most of it, we would want to say, oh, yeah. Well, again, generous is a relative thing, right? What does generous mean? Some people you know are way more generous. I know people who are way more generous than me. So we need to figure that out, but we need to talk about it. We need to give out of our abundance. It might be less than 10%. But guess what? It might be more. That's why the Bible in the New Testament, Paul, God, no New Testament writer ever talks about giving 10%. It says, give as God has prospered you. That's the principle over and over and over again. 10% is a great place to start. It's a bad place to stop. Because God will prosper. And the exciting thing about giving, and we'll see that as we talk about some of the scripture that that Paul and John read for you earlier would be an indication of that. So how much as God prospers you? You have to figure that out. Are your needs met? Are you generous? That's why I started with those two verses in the book of Proverbs when we began. The fifth question is why. Verse 2, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, literally as God has prospered you, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul was coming back to Corinth. That's what he was writing to them about. He was going to come back to collect that offering that they had been setting aside. When we get to 2 Corinthians, what we find out is that they weren't doing such a good job at what they said they were going to do in 1 Corinthians, what Paul challenged them to do. When they got to 2 Corinthians, things were a little bit more difficult, and Paul had to challenge them a little bit more pointedly. But as we look at this why, because the time of Paul's arrival back to the church at Corinth was not certain, they were to set aside, they were to save up so that when Paul came, they would be giving not just because Paul's, oh no, Paul's here, Uh, what am I going to do now, you know, or because there was pressure or because there was guilt 
but because they had already set that money aside. They knew that they were going to be taking an offering, so they had the money all ready to go. And when Paul showed up, they would gather those uh, offerings, that money that had already been set aside together, and they would take it and make sure that it got to the church in Jerusalem. They would have the money all ready to give because God had prospered them and they had prepared their offering as a responsibility before God to meet the needs of God's people in Jerusalem. See, it also makes it makes it easier to give a larger amount when you've already got the money set aside, rather than when it's based on oh man. January, got all the Christmas bills to take care of. Well, if we're regularly setting money aside as God prospers, when the need to give comes, it's there. We don't have to worry about it. Why? Because it was the first fruits was taken out ahead of time. You say, so what does all this mean for us? So what? All right, giving. What do we do? How do we handle this? Well, I have two thoughts for you. God desires to use God's people to provide for God's people. That's part of the reason we do the deacon's fund on the, on the Sundays that we take communion, that we have the Lord's Supper. But it's also why we give for the ministry of the church because there are needs to the ministry. If we're going to do what God's called us to do, and Paul's not specifying as much that here as he does later in 2 Corinthians. But as we talk about this, God desires to use God's people to provide for God's people. Now that can be an amazingly exciting thing as we have the opportunity to give to see God's people provided for. Now if we're going to do that, I, I think there are three things that are necessary. Three things that are required. Number one uh, is a regular and intentional plan to give. That's what Paul's talking about in verse 2. A regular and intentional plan to give. We give faithfully, not occasionally. We give regularly. That's the first day of the week set aside. That's why Paul's talking about it. And if we're going to give that way to meet the needs of God's people, it will take a regular and intentional plan in our part to give. We will have to be thinking about, all right, I need to set aside some money for the work of God, for the people of God. Secondly, it will involve an awareness of God's providing for us, of God's prospering us. If we're going to give out of what God gives to us, if we're going to give the way God prospers us, remember, everything we have is already God's, right? That's really stewardship. That's really what Paul talks about when he uses that term. The idea is God has given us everything that we have. He's given us our life. He's given us breath to breathe. He's given us health. He's given us all that we own. He's given us all of our abilities. He's given us time. All of that. We're to manage. That's the idea of stewardship. We manage that for him. But we've got to be aware that God has provided for us. More than that, he prospers us. Now, maybe this isn't the best Sunday to say it, but 
I would think most of you had a warm house last night. I, I do know that maybe a few of you struggled. It wasn't as warm as usual. But, but if you didn't have a warm house, let us know. Because if, if you're struggling in that way, God's people are to provide for God's people. But as we talk about, man, we, God has taken, we need to recognize how God has prospered us. And that may, that's a relative thing. I, I recognize that. Thirdly, once we have a regular intentional plan, that's what Paul was talking about in verse 2. Once we're aware then that what we have is all of God, he prospered us, we give out of he, the way he prospered us, we then say, all right, now then, I'm willing to give. When we follow God's plan, when we're intentional, when we're faithful and regular about that and aware of God's provision for us, we simply then have a willingness to give. God desires to use God's people to provide for God's people. Secondly, and this is kind of a foundation to what I just said here then. Giving reveals what's in your heart. You see, all of what Paul says to the church in Corinth is an indication of what's going on in their heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and these verses may be well known to some of you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal treasures on earth. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So my question would be as you read those two verses, what do we spend more time doing? Laying up, earning treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? Where do we spend the most of our time? Building up treasures on earth or laying up treasures in heaven? And then verse 21, because this is what Jesus says, and here's the heart. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasures are, tell us, tell you where your heart is. Right? That's what Jesus said. So it's about our heart. Giving reveals what's in your heart. If you or I are not giving as God has prospered us, Something's wrong in the heart. Jesus said that. It's critical that we understand. Because the exciting part is, and, and, and Paul, I didn't know you had that passage of Scripture, but I have it right here, so I'm just going to talk about it really quick as we wrap this up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6, 7, and 8. This is what Paul said, and again, this is the same church, 2 Corinthians, he's writing a, a letter again to them, and he's talking about this same offering in cha verses, or chapters 8 and 9, but he's saying, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You see, those are the two verses in Proverbs. That's the principle that we started with in the book of Proverbs about giving generously. When we give generously, we reap generously. You know what Paul's saying? Farmers, the more seed you plant, the more crops you'll get. If you say, "Mm, man, I can't afford to put that much seed in the ground because... Boy, we got to live on, but the more seed you plant, the more crop you'll get. The more seed you sow, the more you will reap. The more generous you are in your planting, the more generous you'll be in your reaping. Verse 7, each of you should give what you have. Here it is. This is what Paul says, what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Here's what Paul says. Give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion or out of guilt. Because God loves a cheerful giver. There it is. It's our heart. And then look at verse 8. Do I have There it is. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times... Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Having all that you need. See, when we give generously, God blesses abundantly, and you have all you need. And if you go down, and and I'll just read it, because I don't have it on the slide here, but when you... Go further on, and and Paul and John read this for us, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's why God is generous. That's why when you reap a lot, you'll sow, or you sow a lot, you'll reap a lot. When you're generous in your giving, you'll be generous in your reaping. Why? Why? Because God wants you, verse 11, God wants you to be able to keep giving. And the more we give, the more God gives back so that we can keep giving more. That's why giving is one of the most amazingly exciting things in the Word of God. Because the joy of giving is real. That's what Paul's talking about. Just imagine with me. What if you tried to outgive God this year? Have you ever heard that? Oh, you can't outgive God. My question is, how many of us have tried? What if you tried to outgive God this year? Whew. What an exciting year. 2022 would be let me pray father thank you for jesus and even as we sing about your faithfulness god help us to give faithfully because we know you're so faithful that you will provide all that we need that you will give to us abundantly so that we can continue to give Oh, God, what an amazingly exciting thing it is to give.
to know the joy of giving. God, what an example you set for us in giving to us your son Jesus who gave his life for us on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven and that we could know eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Help us to be faithful in giving back out of all that you've prospered us. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.